Greeting to all my tech heads out there in the KevTechify nation. And if you're new here, welcome. In this episode, we're going to look at malware. We'll be discussing types of malwares, viruses, Trojan horses, worms, ransomware. And then we'll finally look at common malware behaviors. This episode is part of my series on network security. I'm Kevin here at KevTechify. Let's get this adventure started. A virus is a type of malware that spreads by inserting a copy of it in, of itself into another program. So it, the virus sticks itself into another program. After the program is run, viruses then spread from one computer to another, infecting the computers. Most viruses require the help of a human to spread. A human has to click on a file. It has to click on an executable or a PDF or that awesome screensaver of kittens playing with yarn. Now, a simple virus may install itself at the first line of code in an executable file. When activated, the virus might check the disk for other executables so it can infect all the files it has not yet infected. Viruses can also be programmed to mutate to change or sorry, to avoid detection. So they can change, they can change their file name, they can change their file size to to avoid detection. In today's world, most viruses are now spread by USB memory drives, they, even CDs and DV drives put on network shares. And the, probably the big one is by email. Computer worms are like viruses because they can replicate and cause the same type of damage. Specifically, worms replicate themselves by independently exploiting vulnerabilities in, the, in networks. Worms can slow down networks as they spread from system to system. One of the best known worms out there, maybe one of the most damaging worms out there was the SQL Slammer. Now this worm is known as the worm that ate the internet. It was a denial of service attack that exploited a buffer overflow bug in Microsoft's SQL server. Now at its peak, the number of infected servers doubled in in size every 8.5 seconds. It infected over a quarter million hosts within 30 minutes. Most worm attacks, they consist of three components, enable vulnerability, propagation mechanism, and payload. Now, enabling that vulnerability, a worm installs itself using an exploit mechanism, such as an email attachment or an executable file or a Trojan host on a vulnerable system. Then the propagation mechanism. So after gaining access to the device, the worm replicates itself and locates new targets. And then finally we have the payload, which is any malicious code that results in some action is that payload. Most often this is used to create a backdoor that allows a threat actor to access the infected host or to create a denial of service attack. Code Red was another worm that caused headaches across the internet, across the world. It had a very unique way of propagating itself that we hadn't seen before. Now, the first step would be to propagate for 19 days. So it wouldn't do anything else except propagate itself. It, it would go and infect other systems 
and it really wouldn't do a whole lot. It would just look for other vulnerable systems. If it didn't find any, that was fine. Or if it found some, it would infect those systems and, and it would do that for 19 days. Then at the end of those 19 days, for the next seven days, it launched a denial of service attack from all of those infected or compromised systems. After those seven days, it would stop and go dormant for a few days. It would turn itself off and that point it wasn't doing anything so it was really hard to identify it it would just sit there and not do anything and it was for a few days sometimes it was one two three days it i've even heard it sat dormant for up to two or three months but when it sat dormant you would go you would disinfect your system you would look at it and you would see that there's no infections you would think that you got everything done and then Step four, it would repeat that cycle. So then it would start propagating again after you thought you had everything clean. Then it would launch an denial of service attack. You're like, oh no, and you're tracking it down, stuff like that. And then it would quit after seven days. So this idea of propagating and not really doing any damage, and then bam, all of a sudden doing that denial of service attack and then shutting everything down, that caused a lot of headaches out there for security people. If you like this episode on malware and you get value out of it, and depending upon the platform you're using, please click that like button, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. Doing this helps support the channel, which in turn helps me bring you more great content. Turn on notifications to be alerted every time I release a new video, and there are a lot of videos coming your way. You can also visit my website at kevtechify.com for all my details and how to get these episodes in video and podcast form. Next, we have Trojan horses. The idea comes from way back in Greek times. They built this giant horse. And in this giant horse, enemy soldiers hid in there. They presented this giant horse to the, the people they, they wanted to attack. They thought it was some sort of offering or idol. They brought it inside their walls. And the, the people who were inside hiding, they waited until night. And then when night came, they attacked and nobody ever thought the attack would come from that device. And so this is what the Trojan horse is in today's terms. Now, Trojan horse is malware. It's software that appears to be legitimate, but it contains malicious code, which exploits the privileges of the user who runs it. Now, oftentimes in today's world, Trojan horses are are attached to online games. They're attached to free software where the user is getting a deal that's probably too good to be true. Users are commonly tricked into loading and executing the Trojan horse on their system. Now, while playing the game, while using the application, the user will not notice, notice a problem. In the background though, this Trojan horse has been installed on the user system. The malicious code from the Trojan horse then continues operating even after that game has been closed. Now, the Trojan horse concept is flexible. It can use immediate damage, it can provide remote access to the system, or it can access through a backdoor. It can also perform actions as instructed remotely, such as send me the password file once a week. Trojan horses are usually classified according to the damage they cause or the manner in which they breach a system. A remote access Trojan horse enables unauthorized access to remote systems. A data sending Trojan horse 
provides the threat actor with sensitive data such as passwords. Destructive Trojan horse corrupts or deletes files. A proxy Trojan horse uses the victim's computer as a source device to launch attacks and perform other illegal act activities. Now, this is where a threat actor has taken over your computer and it's just sitting there waiting for instructions. And then all of a sudden you want to perform, or they want to perform a denial of service attack, or they want to break into a computer somewhere. They will instruct that computer that was infected, your computer to do that. And that way, when it's traced back to traced back, it comes back to you instead of them. We have an FTP chosen horse. And what this does is enable unauthorized file transfer services on those end devices. And so they can transfer files around and not be not be tracked. Software security disabler Trojan horse that stops antivirus programs and firewalls from functioning. Sometimes it just stops the update services, or sometimes it totally stops those security services. It stops the antivirus and the real-time scanning. It turns off your firewall. A denial of service here slows down or halts activity and finally the keylogger which is another type of trojan horse this actively attempts to steal confidential information such as credit card numbers by recording keystrokes that have been entered into a web form or any other program and what happens is it just record every time you push a key it records that so you type in your username and you hit enter you type in your password and you hit enter every keystroke there was recorded and they can see that currently the most dominant malware is ransomware and that's because it's the most profitable now ransomware is malware that denies access to the infected computer systems or its data the cyber criminals then demand payment to release that computer system now ransomware it's evolved to become the most profitable malware type in history there are dozens of variants of ransomware. Ransomware frequently uses an encryption algorithm to encrypt file systems and data, so it'll infect your computer, but now it will encrypt all that data. All your files you have saved, the company information, the databases, your sales inventory, your accounts receivable pale, it will encrypt all that so nobody can look at that. Payments are typically made in Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency because that payment can remain anonymous. Email malicious advertising, also known as malvertising, are vectors for ransomware campaigns. Typically, somebody has to click on a file to activate it. And once again, this is that cute little screensaver of kittens playing with cotton. And social engineering is the key to this ransomware. Uh, Ransomware that does the most damage, they did social engineering. They found out who the people are in the company that makes the decisions, who the who the people are in the company that has access to the data that if they encrypt it, will cripple that company. And so they want to make the biggest effect to make sure that they are paid that ransom. Now, sometimes the data is unlocked, sometimes it's not. It all depends upon the person uh, encrypting that data. There are other types of malware out there. And some, some of the varieties here of modern malware include spyware, adware, scareware, phishing, and rootkits. Spyware 
is used to gather information about a user and send that information to another entity without the user's consent. Now, spyware, it can be a system monitor, a Trojan horse, adware, tracking cookies, or even key loggers. Adware displays annoying pop-ups to generate revenue for its author. The malware may analyze users' interests by tracking the websites they visit. It can then send pop-up advertising pertaining to those, to those sites. And these are the annoying little pop-ups that go, and you just can't click them and make them go away. Scareware includes scam software, which uses social engineering to shock or induce anxiety by creating the perception of a threat. This is generally directed at an unsuspecting user and attempts to persuade the user to infect the computer by taking action to address the bogus threat. Warning, you have to download and install the security update. Now, it doesn't come from Microsoft or your antivirus vendor. You click on it, and instead of doing a security update, it's installing some sort of malware on your system. Phishing here attempts to convince people to divulge sensitive information. Now, examples here include receiving an email from their bank asking users to divulge their account information and PIN number or passwords. Once again, remember, any legitimate company will never ask you to send your password in an email. Never give out personal information. And finally, we have rootkits. Now, these are installed on computer systems. After it's installed, it continues to hide its intrusion and provide privileged access to the threat user. It's sort of like a backdoor into your system. They can have access into your resources, into your data, into your internet connections to do whatever they need with these rootkits. Computers infected with malware often exhibit symptoms. And a lot of these are out of their normal operating. You get used to your computer operating in such a way, and then all of a sudden, one day, it stops operating that way. It's much slower. Or you notice that files are being sent back and forth to your computer. Maybe the little light on your webcam turns on. And so understanding your computer, being familiar with those systems and how they're supposed to act, seeing what the baseline of your operating system is, being seeing that baseline of how your system operates under normal conditions. That will give you a great idea on if there's different problems. As you can see from this list, there's all sorts of way, ways malware can affect your, your computer, often in negative ways. It was my pleasure to provide you with this wonderful episode on malware. If you like this episode and you got value out of it, and depending upon the platform, please click that like button, click that notification bell, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. This all helps me bring you more great content. Please take a minute to subscribe to my channel and turn on notifications. That way you'll be alerted every time I release a new episode and there's a lot more episodes headed your way. All my socials and contact information are on my website, kevtechify.com. In my upper right is my playlist for my series on network security. In the bottom right is one of my favorite videos that I linked just for you. Thank you so much for watching this episode of my series on network security. Once again, I'm Kevin. This is Kev Techify. I'll see you next time for another great adventure.